Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Mental Health podcast, the podcast that covers all things mental health in the spirit of advocacy, awareness, and education. I'm your host, Azeen, and in today's episode, Avery Bishop and I will be discussing the importance of diversity and inclusion, specifically in the field of mental health. A little bit about our guest today. Avery is the 85th anniversary and first Asian American Miss Texas. She's also a first-gen law school graduate, social media influencer, and nonprofit CEO. As Miss Texas, Avery aims to teach the importance of diversity and inclusion to schools all across Texas. So hello, Avery. Congratulations on Miss Texas, and thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's a really important conversation to have about mental health and diversity. Definitely. Yeah. So being the first Asian American to win Miss Texas and also having to compete in the pageant industry, which I know in the past has historically barred women of color from competing, what does diversity and inclusion mean to you? To me, diversity and inclusion saves lives. That's how important it is. When I was growing up, I was born and raised in a really small town here in Texas known as McKinney. It's not as small anymore. It's grown quite a lot. But when I was going to school um, in Prosper ISD for about, I say, like 16 years, pretty much all of my primary education, I didn't see anybody who looked like me for almost a decade. And it was really hard for me to connect with anyone, to relate with anyone. So in my head, without being able to see representation in my real day-to-day life, I convinced myself that I didn't deserve to take up space, that I didn't deserve to speak up, that I didn't deserve to be appreciated and respected and loved. And I carried that with me up until high school when I realized that I can be the representation that I have been looking for all of my life. Wow. And I'm curious to know, like, how did you find the courage to step up and be that representation? Yeah, I want to say it was a combination of seeing a little bit more representation in media. I love watching movies. I love Netflix. And when I was in high school and college, that's when people, or at least Netflix and the entertainment industry, started to put a little bit more emphasis on creating stories that represented mixed individuals or Asian individuals. So that in combination with my mom's community here in Texas. So I think maybe in middle school, I signed up to be a part of a Filipino dancing troupe. And we mm-hmm. traveled across Texas sharing our cultural dances. One of them is called Tinikling, and we dance and hop across bamboo sticks. And I found mm-hmm. so much confidence being able to reconnect with my mom's heritage and culture. Since I'm half Filipino and half white, mm-hmm. I very much had an identity crisis of like, who do I identify with or who is really truly my community and where do I fit in perfectly? Being able to reconnect with her heritage told me that I can be confident in both my Filipino heritage and the heritage of my father. So before we specifically go into diversity and inclusion in mental health care, I wanted to address this common misconception that I've heard about diversity. Yeah, so a while ago in my homeroom class, we were having this discussion about diversity and everyone's opinions on it. And I remember Mm -hmm. another student saying that diversity kind of creates divide by focusing solely on our differences. So Mm -hmm. what would you say to individuals who maybe perceive diversity this way? I would say it's the complete opposite. It actually brings a lot of us together. If you think about it, all of us, we are very different. Uh, maybe physically by the way we look, by the way we speak, the languages we talk in, the community we grow up in, our financial circumstances, our educational background, where our parents come from, etc. But the one single thing that is common across all of us are the differences that make us who we are. 
And that's what brings us together. It doesn't necessarily divide us. Uh, and I think it takes a little bit of time to truly understand that and appreciate it. Because sure, if you sit down and you say, well, if we're really focusing on Asian American Pacific Islander mental health and how that specifically impacts them, well, that's really dividing us. That means that you know we are creating different groups and we need to give more resources to other groups, et cetera. But at the end of the day, what brings us together is when we acknowledge all of the differences that make us who we are. I really love that answer. That's really nice. Yeah. So in regards to the mental health field, there are a lot of systemic mm-hmm. barriers that kind of prevent certain individuals and populations from accessing mental health treatment. And I know that AAPI and populations actually have the lowest help-seeking rate of any other racial group, with less than one-fourth of Asians with a mental illness receiving treatment. And I think some of these barriers include like language barriers, fear of being misunderstood, and a lack of diverse providers. However, I think that a huge barrier is a lack of cultural competency among providers. So could you explain maybe what is cultural competency and why it's so important? To be a cultural competency is when a professional or really anyone in the community can come to a conversation doesn't always have to be in the context of mental health or, say, education, et cetera, just any conversation with the knowledge that we all come from different walks of life. And that essentially, it informs the way that we speak mm-hmm. about um, issues and conflicts. So whenever we enter conversations with people from different communities or who don't look like us, sometimes we come with only our own personal experience. We don't give the time or the day to really acknowledge and point out the other person's different walk of life and experience and how that plays into different uh, factors in our lives. For example, our financial circumstances, the reason why we don't seek help for medical providers, the reason why our parents don't talk about mental health, et cetera. All of these things are very different based on each individual person. And cultural competency allows us to bridge that gap between those differences and find a middle ground so that we can have very open and supportive dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. And I I know that often the mental health profession does take a race-blind approach to treatment and research. Mm -hmm. And I think this results in people of color being represented in in psychological research. And they're also just assumed to have similar experiences, backgrounds, and reactions to treatments as white individuals. So I wanted to ask, why is diversity and inclusion important in the field of mental health? And why is it important to have mental health providers from diverse backgrounds? Oh, absolutely. So I talk about it a lot on, not a lot, but I speak about my own mental health journey with my Filipino immigrant mother on TikTok and Instagram. I've been very open about my relationship with her. And it's helped me really understand the importance to seek out help when you need it, even if you are coming from a community that often stigmatizes mental health and illness. So if you're listening in, I am Filipino and half white, and my mother most certainly was not supportive about mental health as I was going through high school and college. One time I came home and I told her, hey, mom, I'm seeing a therapist. I just want to let you know that. And she said, why do you have to see a therapist? You're weak. That means you're weak. You don't, you, you need to be able to do things on your own. You need to be independent. You can't rely on people. And that really hurt coming from my own mother. And so I'm 25 now. That conversation happened like six or seven years ago. But it's so important to have representation, not only in the medical providers, but also conversations amongst ourselves and our communities 
to really normalize, right? Accessing help, speaking to someone who is not from your family about the issues you experience. Because until then, I, you, maybe the AAPI community, we're going to continue to feel that we can't talk about these emotions and feelings because our parents don't believe that mental health exists. Yeah, definitely. I know there's a lot of stigma in the community. And I think sometimes we're just kind of expected to just like pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and keep moving on and not show any weakness. But I think it's a really serious topic. It is. Yeah. Um, Especially with younger kids in high school and middle school, I I am a strong advocate that these conversations need to start as young as like seven, seven or eight. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like, this is what bipolar disorder is. This is the kind Mm -hmm. of medication you can take. This is, you know, how you prevent certain things from happening if you're abused or neglected. No, these conversations can revolve around cultural competency and empathy and when to seek resources. These conversations can be applied to as young as seven-year-olds in elementary school. Definitely. I think that mental health education is so important because I know in so far in my 12 years of schooling, I've never had a lesson of mental health So mm-hmm. at school. So I think it's really, really important. Yeah. And I hope to see in the near future, I know that some public schools are moving this way, but here in Texas, we are starting to hire a um, like mental counselor, not just an academic counselor, but like a therapist for each campus so that children can feel safe when they need help. Oftentimes we get very intimidated to ask for help from say like an assistant principal or even our teachers. Sometimes we're nervous about what they think. So if we can make these resources so easy to access and putting them in public schools, it'll make it very easy. So yeah. And something that I've also kind of noticed is that people in diverse and accepting communities tend to have better mental health overall. So Mm. how would you say cultural diversity or a lack thereof impacts an individual's mental health? To me, it very much negatively impacted my mental health. I didn't really have anyone to talk to within the Asian American community about the struggles I was experiencing with my relationship to my mother. Because in the Filipino community specifically, or even just like the immigrant community, mental health is not talked about. It is a taboo topic. It is an embarrassment. It's shameful. It brings dishonor to the family if I, if other people know I'm seeking help from a therapist. So because there was no representation, not even just across medical providers, but across people in my own community who even sought a therapist themselves, really persuaded me not to seek a therapist for a very long time. I mean, I didn't see a therapist until junior year of college, and I certainly should have started speaking to someone probably in high school, honestly. We live in such a hyper-productive environment and society. And I honestly recommend that everyone just see someone that they need to talk to because I'm sure we can't rely on our family and friends and even like our pets as therapy. (laughs) We definitely need to speak to people as much as possible. And don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure I've seen research that shows the most successful people, uh, whether they are celebrities or entrepreneurs or owners of businesses, they all have therapists that they speak to. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And kind of on the topic of representation, I think that representation in the media is so important because it's something that I never really grew up with. And Mm. I never saw myself as the main character, always as like the side character, someone who just wasn't the focal point of a show or a movie or a book. And I think it played a huge role in my self-identity and 
my self-image as well. And I think some people who have always grown up with representation may not realize what impact this can leave on individuals. So can you explain the importance of representation on self-image and why it's important for younger individuals to see themselves in the media and professions? When you see someone in a position that you aspire to one day hold or become, you internally, either subconsciously or directly, tell yourself in your mind, I can do this too. And you gain just a little bit of confidence or inspiration or comfort in seeing this person in this place that is typically dominated by the white majority. When you see yourself reflected in society, in government, in entertainment, then you can see and acknowledge that you have within yourself the resources and tools to one day achieve that dream. But when you don't see that, which is the case, most of the time for our childhood, for our communities, it takes us much longer to find the confidence that's needed to be successful in certain industries that have a lack of diversity and inclusion. Take, for example, influencers and the renaissance of content creators, which I am very grateful to be a part of. If you go on TikTok or Instagram, you'll notice that most influencers are white and that's okay right? They can be white. No, nothing against that. But there's certainly enough space on the internet for there to be more representation across the digital media space. But many of us who look the way that we do convince ourselves we don't deserve to try because we don't Mm -hmm. see anyone else that looks like us doing the things we want to do. That's my opinion on um, representation across media and how being able to see yourself in spaces allows you to gain confidence to do the things you want to do. Definitely. I agree with that wholeheartedly. So on the topic on the topic of diversity and inclusion, something that I think we often hear of is companies and workplaces kind of like setting in place policies of diversity and inclusion. But I feel mm-hmm. like most of us, including me, don't actually know what these policies do. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about these, what these policies do and how they can just benefit the field of mental health? Yeah. So there's a lot of policy about discrimination based on the way that you look Mm -hmm. or financial circumstances. So that's one of the main policies amongst all companies that you uh, may apply for in the near future is that companies cannot discriminate you based on your gender or your sex. I want to say that they can't discriminate you based on race as well. So these things protect you as you apply for jobs, and that's the main diversity inclusion policy. Mm-hmm. Now, companies will probably go a little bit deeper and sometimes implement diversity and inclusion training. So some sort of cultural competency training, maybe like how to be respectful and empathetic towards communities that don't look like you. I remember there was this infamous video that was shown at a lot of companies where all of the new employees had to sit down and watch this video about an employee bringing in a cultural dish that had fish in it. Mm -hmm. And it obviously with fish, it has a smell to it, a very particular Mm -hmm. smell. And some people are just not used to it. And many of us grow up in households with fish. So we know what that smells like. And this this one worker brought it to lunch one day and kept it in the kitchen. And the whole video was all about how it's really open, really important to open yourself up to different cultural factors that we experience on a day to day, day to day time. So, for example, food. 
food is very culturally different amongst all of us. So workplaces have training and policies that protect individuals who, for example, need to practice religion on certain times and days. And also if they want to bring a certain type of food that may involve fish. (laughs) Yeah, that clears it up. I think think growing up Asian American, I think lunches was definitely something that was kind of difficult for me, like bringing it to school. I know many days I just skip lunches. I did too. I remember um, I, so spam is a really big thing for Filipinos. And for some reason, the kids at my school thought spam was gross and disgusting because it came in a can. And I was so embarrassed to eat my spam and rice at school. I would go to the bathroom and I would eat it in the bathroom. Yeah. So I hope, not hope, I'm seeing a little bit more change in schools and how children interact with one another. Um, And teachers are starting to call stuff out as well. This just all goes back to diversity and inclusion training to make sure that teachers are equipped with the knowledge to see when um, a child is experiencing not necessarily outright discrimination, but discomfort because of their cultural background. Yeah, I actually didn't know that teachers went through diversity and inclusion training. Some of them do, not all of them, (laughs) but I think uh, they're starting to require that at a lot of public schools. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So my last question here for for you today is how can we individually or collectively promote a mentally healthy community that promotes diversity and inclusion? One thing that I do and what I try to do my best at is to talk about it. Like this podcast, we're talking about it. And being really open and transparent on social media. I know you probably hear that all the time. Just be more open and transparent on social media. But For me, that's important. I have almost a million followers. I have a lot of influence. And that comes with a responsibility to make sure that I share with others the struggle that I experience trying to seek mental health help and resources and trying to manage my somewhat rocky relationship with my immigrant mother who doesn't necessarily believe or support mental health. So number one is really just talking about it, getting encouraging others to open up It's a really uh, uncomfortable topic sometimes, especially if you come from a community that does not uh, acknowledge that mental health exists. But as more people speak about it, it'll become a chain reaction and it will inspire others to speak up and speak out. Uh, Most recently, I posted a photo about how I had several mental breakdowns during my second year of law school that I considered quitting and dropping out. It was a photo of me just like absolutely lost my mind, tears, my eyes were swollen red. And I was really honest on social media. I said like, I was in a really dark place. I stopped seeing my therapist. I experienced a spiral downwards and it was during the pandemic. And it had almost like, I want to say like 80,000 likes on Instagram and hundreds and thousands of people commenting from across the world how they want to see more of this on social media. And that's what I'll try to do every single day. Yeah, I think that's really amazing that you're using your platform to kind of destigmatize this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that concludes our episode on the importance of diversity and inclusion in the field of mental health. Again, thank you so much, Avery, for being here. I'm really excited to follow you through this journey of being Miss Texas. Of course, thank you. Yeah, okay, thank you all for listening. See you next time on the Let's Talk Mental Health podcast.